do 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 Making your way in the world today takes everything you got. This comes to us from Jordan Maywood. Next up, we have Jordan. He's going to tell a joke. We got an answer for Jordan Maywood. Yes, Wood May. Hello, this is Penn Gillette. The possibility exists that if I were to actually listen to the Liberal Cube podcast featuring host Jordan Maywood, I could potentially enjoy it. Eh, I'll ring an endorsement, I guess. Potentially enjoy this episode, which will start after the other half of my magical comedy duo, Teller, gives us a countdown. Take it away, Teller. Hello, welcome to the Liberal Cube. My name is Jordan Maywood and I am the lackadaisical Liberal Cubicalist. Today is a very special day. No, it's not, but you know, that's something you could say at the top of a show to make it feel like it's going to be something different than the other previous 477 episodes, right? Question mark? Uh, okay, well, I, I thought of something as I was uh, mumbling along there that is a little different. Uh, occasionally... I will work from home, uh, like I did today, and occasionally I will have a half day, because rather than use a full day vacation day, I'll split them into halves, and then you get two. Hey, that's not too bad, right? That's math. And that's just what's happening now. So, I literally stopped working, turned on the old non-working computer, booted up this podcast recording app that I use, Audacity, if you are unfamiliar with that. And, uh, and so, so it's the closest to work I've ever been. Oh, shit, you know what? <laughs> uh, I was just going to say, it's the closest to work I've ever recorded a podcast. However, however, I forgot pre-episode 300? When did I stop? I used to. If you listen to old episodes, uh, you'll have the sound of driving sounds. Uh, in the background, for the reason that, I used to record the podcast to and from work. So, I lie. I'm a big fat liar. My pants, heating up, heating up, yes, now on fire. Damn it. Okay, so, uh, erase all that from your memory. Instead, uh, l- let's do this. Uh, Jordan May with the lackadaisical Libra This show is like a journey into my mind, where you can see all the media I have consumed as I spew it forth in a fashion that is akin to a series of five five five-minute timers like this. Oh my god. Ladies and gentlemen, let's get ready to review some things. Monologue. Today's movie monologue sponsor is Flying Robot Vacuums. Thank you for that sponsorship. Movie the first, Cam, C-A-M, from 2018. Alice, an ambitious cam girl, wakes up one day to discover she's been replaced on her show with an exact replica of herself. What the frig. Starring Madeline Brewer who you may recognize from uh, The Handmaid's Tale. Uh, she is the girl who only had one eye on The Handmaid's Tale, that girl, which uh, it'll take you a while to recognize her, I feel like. 
like it, it's one of those things where it's like who the hell is this girl because she's playing obviously a very different character uh the whole cam girl thing i've always found fascinating uh watch this one with the missus actually because she loves a horror uh, I, I feel like this falls more into a thriller category than a horror category Al although there is some interesting you don't know what's going on tidbits and if you are a long-time listener first of all thank you weirdo uh, second of all you will know i quite often enjoy movies where i have no idea what's going to happen next and uh, it, this movie f does take a while before you start to know what's going on. How is this person who looks exactly like her uh, doing live cam shows? And and that's some of the first things they test. So, like, uh, she'll sort of log in uh, under under a, 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 like a, a fake username or whatever, uh, and, and then she'll, like, interact with the person uh, live and, like, be, be like, okay, say the word pineapple, and then the person on the screen will say the word pineapple. So you know it's not, like, a recording. Um, anyways, uh, I'm, I'm actually not going to uh, give away uh, what as actually factually happening uh, other than to say I kind of feel like they gave it away too quick um, like I almost wish that it was like a last final minute thing uh, before we sort of figure out uh, what the deal is uh, what the deal is is interesting and how it's solved let's say is also interesting so for all these reasons cam I'm gonna go fairly high uh, I'll go uh, four for most of the movie uh, until we figure out what the deal is, and then it's sort of just like, oh, okay, going through some motions of a three. So, you know, overall, a, a pretty good movie, and uh, I would recommend it. Sounds interesting. It is interesting. This last movie, next movie, rather, has the word last in the title, which is maybe what threw me. Last Flag Flying from 2017 is a uh, Amazon-created movie uh, produced by the good people over at Amazon, which I think... Uh, I also watched this with the missus. I, I think this was the first one we watched. Uh, and I gotta say, uh, I, I hope other Amazon movies are better than this because it, it kind of was not uh, good uh, or interesting, really. Which is a shame because I like all the actors in it. In it. We've got Brian Cranston, awesome. Lawrence Fishburne, awesome. Steve Carell, awesome. Among others, awesome. Uh, let me read the IMDA. Uh, 30 years after they served together in Vietnam, uh, a former Navy corpsman, Larry Doc Shepard, reunites with his old buddies, former Marine Sal Nealon and Reverend Richard Mueller to bury his son, a young Marine killed in the Iraq War. So this is taking place uh, back in the 90s, I guess it would be. Um, which doesn't really play into the story, per se. Uh, uh, yeah, the story, per se. Um... I don't know, it just kind of felt like it was going through the motions of telling this. Uh, uh, Brian Cranston, usually amazing. I, I think he was like a little over the top here. Uh, Lawrence Fishburne, uh, what I like of this uh, story is um, picturing that he is playing the sort of old version of his character from Apocalypse Now, uh, which, was that his first movie? Uh, let's just, uh, if I was... Uh, professional, these are the types of things that uh, you would have someone sitting beside me and say, hey, hey, uh, Gary, can you please Google apo Apocalypse Now? And then uh, as I was continuing to talk <laughs> and spelling it right, Apocalypse Now. 
Ah, uh, shit, my timer now. Uh, would have been able to Google that rather than me doing it, which is, yeah, uh, I think it's his first movie. Anyways, so yeah, I, I like to pretend that uh, this is a sort of a shared universe, let's say, and that added some entertainment, I suppose. I suppose. Uh, Rating-wise, I think I'm going to have to go like a 2. Yeah, uh, we debated even turning it off at one point. That uh, doesn't happen very often. If you are, again, that weird long-term listener, you will know. Uh, I usually like most things, so that's sad. Uh, like most things, like this next movie, Mary and the Witch's Flower. Ah... Based on The Little Broomstick by Mary Stewart, A Strange Flower Grants a Girl Magic Powers. Uh, this is an anime film, which I feel like I hadn't watched anime in a long time and had missed it. Uh, I, I think it's because I watched that super violent uh, uh, samurai ninja movie. Uh, of I think that was in the last episode, actually. Uh, it gave me sort of a little, like, yeah, you know what? I love that so much. Uh, let, let's get some anime in here as well and uh, see what we do. And this one was fine. There's there's better ones out there. Uh, you know, you get your house moving castles and your, your ponios and uh, things of that nature um, that I think are better. Uh, that being said, still some interesting stuff. You get some magic. Uh, you get some, some craziness. Rating-wise, I'll just go a, a, a solid three. Suit some cool four... Uh, beautiful visual magical moments huh uh last but not least a most violent year from 2014 uh, i i think i went into this with too high expectations having heard of it and sort of thinking it was going to be a type of movie that it kind of wasn't uh and since you heard by the timer we're already out of time and over time i'm not going to say much more than that other than to give this also a two and change Today's Television Talk sponsor is Joy Water, a.k.a. Booze. Thank you for that sponsorship. Okay, I got two televisions to talk about. Uh, the first being Blue Planet 2. Ah, Blue Planet, uh, David Attenborough, nature documentary. God damn it, can you go wrong? You know what uh, I was doing for a lot of these, in fact, probably most of them, um, was smoking a little dube. Uh, a little of the old uh, devil's lettuce, if you will, and watching these, and I gotta say, that is a real nice peanut butter and jam. Ooh. Uh, yeah, uh, I love these on a lazy Sunday, sort of before bed, just to sort of bring you down. Uh, further bring you down in that uh, David Attenborough rightly, uh, and uh, the good people over at uh, the BBC rightly uh, will throw in uh, how our uh, waters, our oceans, our rivers and lakes are being destroyed by man and basically we're fucked. Uh, if you listen to, I think it was last episode as well, uh, Chasing Coral, I watched that documentary. Yeah, we're, uh, we're, we're, we're pretty much fucked. <sighs> the, my favorite of these blue planets uh, in any nature doc quite often are the ones where they go into the very, very deep and just the crazy shit that goes on down there. Uh, it, <laughs> yeah, uh, smoking a little weed and then watching that one. <laughs> That's a, that'll really uh, 
boggle your mind a little bit. In a good way, in a good way. So, so, yeah. Uh, just remembering doing that. And it tickles me. What else tickles me? Segways into the next item. Uh, tidying up with Marie Kondo. Ah, yes. Uh, last episode or a couple ago, I spoke of uh, tidying up, literally, of my basement and kitchen and, and how I sort of enjoy that for some reason. And uh, after watching all of these episodes available on Netflix for your viewing pleasure, you will know... Uh, why I sort of did that. And the, the sort of fascinating thing that sort of came up after watching all these episodes was the fact that my tidying organizational style seems to very much fall in line with hers. Uh, maybe not the joy thing, the, the idea of does this spark joy so much as does this make me angry for being around so long and not having touched it? Yeah, does this spark anger? I feel like it works just as well. Not anger, because I am not, by nature, an angry person. Does this spark annoyance? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a very good way to uh, boil it down. And I think I could, potentially, uh, start my own business-slash-cult of uh, personality around the idea of does the things in your life that... Uh, not necessarily spark joy, but when you see them, make you think, ah, God, I haven't touched this in a year. Let's 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 get rid of it. Like, we literally had to call, and I think I may have mentioned this, uh, 1-800-GOT-JUNK, uh, and didn't fill up a whole truck, but, like, there was a lot of stuff that, that rule of, uh, if you have not touched it in a year, why do you still need it? I, I think is a good, a, a good rule. And, and the year... You know what? A system in place where you put a sticker on things uh, indicating what month you put it on. Say every month uh, gets a different color. Uh, and if you haven't touched that thing within the, the calendar year, get rid of it. Is, I think, just an easy, smart way to do things. Hey, look at this. Uh, speaking of the cult of Mary Kondo, uh, and uh, i got to say I have not explored this on purpose... Uh, people saying things about her negative, I do not like, because I am a little bit in love with her. Uh, <laughs> I watched all these with the missus as well, I should say, and constantly pointing out to her, <laughs> my love of her, not always goes over well, but still, yeah, but still, uh, the missus is very messy, uh, not at all neat and organized, so... Maybe, uh, having watched this, it will get her to turn over a new leaf, question mark? Join the dark side of organization, or the bright side, let's say. We'll see, time will tell. Actually, uh, just on that note of the, of the kitchen organization, it has remained, just for the most part, uh, 99 some odd percent as organized as when I stopped when I finished doing all the work there. So she says she's been trying hard, and I, by evidence, she must be, so that's good. Uh, yeah, there you go. Oh, oh yeah, as I was saying of uh, Mary Kondo, uh, apparently people saying she's like a cult, don't listen to her, blah, blah, blah. I'm not going down those rabbit holes, because that's bullshit. It's just a, a woman who has figured out a way to bring happiness into her life, and if you are searching for ways and to turn that into a negative, you're a fucking asshole. Yeah, wow. Pause for dramatic effect, no less.
decimal system. Today's book banter sponsor is Dreadring Jewelry. Jewelry. Jewelry is a word I have trouble saying, I've realized. Hmm. Over the years. Okay, if you're following along with my reading of it, I think it's a quadrology, I do believe. Uh, the Neverwinter series by Mr. R.A. Salvatore, or Bob Salvatore, as I have heard people uh, call him. To his face, no less. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, uh, this is book two of the series, and it is conveniently titled Neverwinter. So it's uh, book number two of the Neverwinter series titled Neverwinter. Hey, that's nice. Uh, okay, so let's read the Goodreads and uh, tell us about this deliciousness that I will give a five out of five. Spoiler alert. Uh, with the last of his trusted companions having fallen, sadness, Drizd, Drizd is alone and free for the first time in almost a hundred years. Guilt mingles with relief, leaving Drizd uniquely vulnerable to the persuasions of his newest companion, Dahlia. Ooh, Black Dahlia? Perhaps but no. A darkly alluring elf, and the only other member of their party to survive the cataclysm at Mount Hotnau. Hutanau. Hutanani. But traveling with Dahlia is challenging in more ways than one, as the two companions seek revenge on the one responsible for leveling Neverwinter, and nearly Luskin as well. Dritz finds his usual moral certainty swept away by her unconventional views. Forced to see the dark deeds that the common man may be driven to by circumstance, Dritz begins to find himself on the wrong side of the law in an effort to protect those the law has failed. Making new enemies, and his old enemies acquire deadly allies, Dritz and Dahlia quickly find themselves embroiled in battle. A state he's coming to enjoy a little too much. Yes, uh, that's good description. I like very much whoever wrote that. What I like about it is it is very much sort of emphasizing what if this were a D&D &D character, and if you are unfamiliar with Dritz <laughs> Durden, quite often entwined. Uh, actually, in my custom campaign, has even made an appearance. Um... This would probably, if you were a, a player character, entail a, a changing in alignment, which is interesting. Uh, turning from the sort of lawful good, uh, does good no matter what, follows the law no matter what, to there are shades of gray that are sort of coming into his life, which uh, is sort of a fascinating thing to watch. And the, and the fact, and this is so much uh, sort of emphasizes my love of uh, uh, trilogies, quadrologies in this case, the fact that an author can take more than one book to tell a story means that this is not a uh, one one second he's one way, one second he's the next. Uh, this is a slow, measured pace of things happening to him, uh, the slow change of, of how he feels, how he f looks at the world over the course of several books, uh, which is why I fucking love this shit, man. Five out of five, ah, uh, yes, okay, easy for me to do, easy for me to give. Uh, uh, I'm a little bit into the third book now, but uh, but this one I very much loved. A lot of uh, towards and good fights as well. 
uh, between uh, various undead. Oh yeah, there's this one cool uh, character where they took the shell of, uh, oh, I forget the name of the creature, uh, took the shell of the creature and basically burnt it onto the skin of this guy who is like a, 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 a cult. He's in the cult and he's like, yes, I will do anything to, to help sort of thing, which uh, that level of just sort of freakish obeyance uh, is scary. Uh, and then we sort of learn that this transition to make him uh, basically invulnerable uh, will eventually kill him, uh, not to mention the pain of having the shell of an animal burnt onto your skin. Pretty cool stuff like that in this book. I will say, and I did say. Ooh. From Neverwinter to Always Winter, today's game Gavin sponsor is Frostbite Heating and More Heating. Thank you for that sponsorship. <laughs> okay, now I have to admit, I never, I my notes, and, and I've mentioned this on more than one occasion, are pretty much non-existent. Like, I'll have what I'm going to talk about, the sponsor, and maybe, maybe... Like, I'm looking at the, at these, literally I have no other notes uh, for, for this episode. Maybe I'll have something written. This this episode, nothing. Uh, the reason I bring that up is that's the first time I've ever written a segue <laughs> from Never Winter to Always Winter. Uh, it just, you know, it, it fit well. Because we're talking Frostpunk. Ah, available, I do believe, only for PC. I could be wrong, but I don't think I am. Yeah, pretty sure. Uh, yeah, I uh, saw, I think, a bunch of people playing this. Uh, Sheriff Eli, in particular, comes to mind, and it looked like a lot of fun. So, as I do, I put it on the old Steam wish list, and when it became on sale, uh, which did, I think it was the winter sale, huh? makes sense, uh, I, I hopped on because it looked like the kind of thing I wanted to play. This was my first, uh, was it my first? Yeah, I think it was my first post-Fallout 76 uh, game that I played. So it was a nice, a uh, little bit of a change of pace. Uh, it's a real-time strategy game. Uh, if you've ever played SimCity, you will know some of the mechanics of this. Basically, it is a... Uh, I, and I boiled this down uh, when explaining it to the missus for some reason, although I don't normally try to explain the games I'm playing. I did for this one for some reason. Uh, it is a... Oh, I, I know why, because uh, I had a feeling, and I was correct, that even her, who has basically never played any video games ever, will have heard of and even played SimCity. So the way I explained it is a, uh, a post-apocalyptic... Uh, Sim City in which the world has been frozen over in an ice age, yeah. So an ice age, post uh, uh, an ice age apocalypse. Sim City. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's what it is. Uh, what you have to do in this game is uh, build your quote unquote city. It's more of a town. It, it never really gets sprawling per se. Uh, around the central hub, the central hub, which is a uh, generator that generates heat. Uh, for some reason, uh, the only thing that's left on this world that can generate heat are these sort of giant, almost, uh, they look like jet engines that are sort of tilted up on their side, uh, and you have to be within 
uh, a certain distance within the radio of, the, of this to uh, get the benefit of the heat that it pumps off, which is uh, sort of strange, but uh, but interesting. And then I, I guess the punk comes in the form of a sort of steampunk vibe to a lot of the stuff that you uh, do and uh, build and uh, things that happen in order to save this last remnants of humanity. Uh, Rating-wise, I, I think I'll go a solid four with some cool five five moments. It, it does interesting things that SimCity games don't, like it will give you uh, moral choices, uh, and, and you'll be sort of following a path. Like, do you want to be the... Like the two that I did, uh, I, I played multiple ones, obviously, but the, the two I sort of focused on is one where I tried to sort of rule through power. So, like, I would have guards uh, who, if you were, like, uh, mouthing off, they would fuck you up sort of thing. Uh, it, like, if you were if you had, if you you had were drawing graffiti saying, uh, this guy doesn't know what he's doing, the guards would come and put you in prison. Uh, if uh, you're sick and can't help out anymore, perhaps, you know, that would be the last of you. Uh, like, it, I was basically a bit of a dick. Uh, <laughs> and that one, I will admit, I was more successful doing it that way than the other way, which was uh, a more kinder, save everyone. Uh, as much as I, it pains me myself, Jordan, <laughs> I went with a sort of religious uh, route uh, when I did it that way, where uh, if you were... Uh, uh, the the sort of church became strong people like you have to manage people's hope as well as their oh I forget what the other thing is but but literally their hope uh, there, there's a meter measuring hope so uh, that was easier if people were religious sort of thing yeah uh, basically if this sounds interesting check it out why don't you Today's internet intercourse is rather a double television talk. Yes. Yes. In fact, we've got four TVs this episode. We got Blue Planet 2, Tidying Up with Mary Kondo, and now we have W1A and Norseman. The sponsor of this double television talk is BBC. Whatever that might mean to you. Hmm. Wink. All right, uh, the first show uh, is W1A. Three seasons in particular, and I watched all three, as they are all available on Netflix, I should specify. Uh, Canadian Netflix, because uh, maybe in your country it's not available. Uh, Ian Fletcher, formerly the head of the Olympic Deliverance Commission, has taken up the position of head of values at the BBC, British Broadcasting Corporation. And this follows not only his exploits, but those of them working around him at this uh, corporation, this aforementioned corporation. Okay, so, first and foremost, what the fuck is going on? Like, is... Uh, okay, so let's start... You know what? Let's start with a rating on this. I'm going to go a confused three to a bemused four to occasional laugh-out-loud fives. Okay, the confusion comes in the fact of I don't really get this show necessarily. Like, uh, is, is this just craziness for the sake of craziness, or do the people on the show represent how people actually act 
who work for the BBC. Like, my, my sort of theory of watching this is, uh, if I worked for the BBC and watched this show, I would find what's going on on the show hilarious in that it is so close to what's happening that it's just got that slight, slight comedic tweet, uh, tweak. Um, but having no knowledge of what happens at the actual in real life BBC, I, I sort of come into this with like, come on, nobody actually acts like this. The things like this don't actually happen in real life, but uh, maybe I'm wrong. It's just sort of the levels, I guess, of bureaucracy that are, are, are most boggling. Um, but that being said, you heard my ratings. I, I did enjoy it. And then I, I, it did make me want to talk to someone. Well, I'll tell you what in my attempt for audience participation with the dozen of you listening, <laughs> if one of you works for the BBC and can explain this to me, that would be a goddamn miracle. Not in that it would be difficult to explain, just that of the very few people listening to this, one of you actually worked for the BBC. God, that'd be shocking. You know what? You better fucking uh, get in contact with me just for the reason that it's kismet at that point, and we're going to be friends for life. Okay, moving on to Norseman. Ah, two seasons? Yes, two seasons available for your viewing pleasure on Netflix. And I do believe this show is created by the good people over at Netflix. So, you know, we got that going for us. Uh, set in the 790 AD, uh, Viking, uh, Viking Gain, what? Oh, has this got a different title depending on where you are? Viking Gain features the daily challenges of people living in a small Viking village. From power struggle, brother rivalry, gender equality, to betrayal and friendship. It's story of people from out of time, but living during the Viking area. Of course, everyday choices have far more dramatic consequences. Uh, and that makes for great comedy material, says the summary in IMDb. Uh, yeah, I can verify that. Uh, compared to uh, W1A, uh, the jokes in this are uh, much easier to grok, let's say. Uh, despite not being a Norseman, <laughs> uh, it, it's much easier to see where the comedy lay. And it, and, and it is, what I like about it is it's not over the top, it is quite often subtle. It's almost as if they took people from just normal everyday life uh, and then said, okay, pretend that you're dealing with things that are happening uh, if you were a Viking during this time. Like, uh, people are never sort of uh, uh, screaming, like, they'll, top of, they'll talk of uh, raping and pillaging in just sort of a matter-of-fact way. And, and, and that's where a lot of the comedy comes, just not the raping and the pillaging necessarily. Um, but uh, in the fact that everything's just sort of a matter-of-fact, yeah, this is what we do, we're, we're Vikings, we kill... We, we, uh, we're going to battle. Uh, yeah, you gotta, you gotta do this to survive. Uh, I like it. Rating wise, go with solid four. Yeah. I'm looking forward to more episodes. I hope they make more. Done and done. And I mean done. Done and done. It's nice to be nice to the nice. Oh shit, I almost I like forgot Ron. to say that. And also, maybe there's something after the credits. I don't know. <laughs> this is the end of the show. A sincere thank you for listening. Time to plug some things and I do not mean. But. You can like us on Facebook. You can follow Jordan underscore Maywood on Twitter. 
you can subscribe and comment on iTunes. Lastly, if you would like to contact the podcast, you can email jordan.maywood at gmail.com. I would like to conclude that I am not a robot and that I have a theory. I've got a theory that it's a demon, a dancing demon. Something isn't right there. I've got a theory. The best is yet to come and babe, won't it be fine? You think you've seen the sun, but you ain't seen it shine. Wait till the warm-up's underway. Wait till our lips have met. Wait till you see that sunshine day. You ain't seen nothing yet. The best is yet to come and be. Won't it be fine? The best is yet to come. Live long and prosper. Yes, as predicted slash just outright said, we're going to have a little conversation cleanup, the sponsor of which is Space Ghost Psychiatry. Thank you for that. Yes, during Star Trek Discovery season, we cannot help but have a little uh, post-credit talk, since that's the only place it fits, basically. So uh, we're going to be talking Season 2, Episode 3, and 4. Episode 3, Points of Light. Ah. Uh, Yeah, so uh, we're on the search for Spock still. (laughs) Search for Spock. That's funny. Uh, This episode was great. Uh, I just realized that I don't have much to say about it because I want to jump to the next one, uh, which is one that I literally just watched uh, like right before I started recording this. So uh, that's going to make it a little easier to talk about. I'm just looking for what the title of it was, though. Episode... Uh, chapter 2, Vaulting, Prologue, War, Season 2, Point of Light, uh, an Obol of, an Obol for Charon. Oh yeah, those are some funky words. Uh, a mysterious sphere threatens the USS Discovery even as May, in her original form, uh, that goes back to last episode, implements a plan that pulls Tilly's life, puts Tilly's life in danger. Sarah and Burnham's bond grows. Yeah, that was the only sort of strange thing. Like, they always seem to get along, for the most part. Maybe a little rivalry from time to time. But uh, this bond spoken of here, uh, and their sort of interaction with one another, was stronger than it had ever been in other episodes, to the degree where it felt a little strange, just in the fact that they seemed to be, like, best buds, and, like, they had known each other forever and were the best friends for life. Uh, where that had never really felt like the case to 100%. Like, I, I felt like it happened too fast almost. But anyways, it, it was still fun and interesting. Uh, Pike receives new intel on Spock from a loyal friend. Okay, yeah, that didn't really play into it. But the mysterious fear, that is where this episode lie. And I gotta say, uh, I think this may be my favorite episode so far of the season. 
uh, just in that it does something a, a classic great episodes of Star Trek all do, I think, and that is have multiple sort of dire situations happening at once, um, and then towards the end sort of finding out that they're all connected, uh, for the most part, let's say, without spoiling too much, uh, just genius, and I loved it, and uh, I, I laughed. Did I cry? Maybe. And I'm not going to say why. A small tear from my eye. Yes. Uh, folks, uh, okay, so yeah, uh, I, I don't know. I, I I just feel like I have to talk about uh, Star Trek Discovery a little bit in the, the post-closing closing credits clean-up conversation. So that's what I do. And, and, and I feel like it's more just for me than for anyone else. And no one listens to us anyways. So I do it. I do it. <sighs> Maybe I'll just delete this part. Hmm. Question. 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 An obol for Charon. Why am I still talking? I don't know. I don't know. Uh, you know what? Let's, uh, let's play a little music here. What do we got? Yeah, we're just killing some time here. This is a, a little cleanup. We'll do, uh, we'll, you know, I did an episode called Song Democracy. I think it was from episode uh, 300, in which we can play a song, uh, play a game involving songs. So we'll do four songs. Um, if by the end of the four I don't get one that I love, we'll stop playing. Uh, if I get one I love, we'll stop playing. And uh, we'll just go from there. I'm, I'm just hitting shuffle on the old phone. Let's see how we do. Ooh, it's a good one off the bat. Yep. good. Oh, another good one. Nice. Two for two. Alright. Will we get three for three here? Oh yeah, pretty good. We did, we did talk a little dupe smoking. Alright, on the final song. Let's see how we did. Nice. Some people call me I made the song. But I never really found out why. Just mash up. Sorry. Okay, I'll tell you what we'll do for that last song. Uh, this, uh, because I want to give uh, proper credit. So this is from uh, the podcast Harmontown. Uh, it is rather two songs. Uh, uh, Chicken Noodle Dick. <laughs> Dan... Chicken Noodle Dick is one, and Pringles Can Dick. No, I forget what they're both called, or if they were even named. 
Uh, chicken noodle Pringles can dick mashup. <laughs> I have called it on my phone. Uh, and you know what? Uh, it's only a minute long, so I'll just let it play, and then we'll end with that. Nice! Wow, folks. Okay, that was a really good ending. I I'm happy with this. Here I am! Uh, start over. That was terrible. <laughs> Some people call me Pringles dick, but I never really found out why. Here! Sorry. It's gonna end up. Here!